Hey gamers, this is Joe from What I'm Playing Now. I have episode 65 of the podcast that was originally recorded on April 5th of 2015. Some of the games I played for the week, we did a rainbow draft last week in our Dice Masters League. I played some Bloodborne on the PS4, some Heroes of the Storm on the PC, Ali Ali 2, a card game called Jaipur, Zangwo, and of course, Duel of the Ages 2, which I really enjoyed. Enjoy the podcast. Good evening, gamers, and welcome to another episode of the What I'm Playing Now podcast. My name is Joe Luzzi, and we are on episode 65. Hey, send us some emails. Let us know what you're playing now. Send those emails to what I'm playing now at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at what I'm playing now. Don't forget to drop the G. You can also find me on Facebook. Just do a search for what I'm playing now. And then our Google Plus page, which is plus.google.com slash the plus sign, what I'm playing now podcast. And of course, our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash what I'm playing now. One of the things I did for the podcast this week was I was able to get it added to the database on BoardGameGeek. So if you look under the podcast section of BoardGameGeek, you will find me there. So that was one little nice place that I was able to get the podcast. I'm also looking at it getting to a few other places. You can always find it on iTunes. Wouldn't mind having a couple of reviews out there on iTunes. So if you think the podcast is good and you like what I'm doing here, just let me know on iTunes and give me some reviews, please. Would greatly appreciate it. All right. That's enough housekeeping for today. Let's jump into what I'm playing now. First of all, we had a rainbow draft for our normal Tuesday Dice Master League, and we did a D&D rainbow draft, which I had a lot of fun with. So I was able to get quite a few good cards, and the team that I put together for my eight cards was Were-Rat, Paragon Lycanthrop, Sturge, Lesser Beast, Skeleton, Greater Undead, Invisible Stalker, Lesser Elemental, Drow Assassin, Lesser Humanoid, Troll, Lesser Humanoid, Magic Sword, Paragon Gear, and Manticore, Paragon Beast. The two basic actions that I took were Charm and Resurrection, and I will go down the dice that I had for those. For the Were-Rat, I had two dice. For the Sturge, I had three. For my Skeleton, I had two dice. My Invisible Stalker, I was able to pull three, which I will talk about here in a minute, which was really nice. My Drow Assassin, I had two. The Troll, I had two. The Magic Sword, I had one. And then the Manticore, I had one. So we had, I think, six of us down there for the draft. We each, we basically just did round robin. We each played, everybody played each each opponent one time, and then basically the best person won. And I will say that my first game started out a little slow, but I was able to pull out the win. The Between the Were-Rat and the Sturge, I was able to get some some nice things going with them. And then the Skeleton was also added in for, some, for a little bit of nice protection and damage there. In the second and third games, it seemed like I had to go with a little different strategy. I couldn't get my Sturges going as much. The Were-Rat, while still coming into play and doing a very nice job of giving my evil characters with the purchase cost of three or less they only cost one to field that was a very very nice thing it seemed like my invisible stalkers really came into play in the second and third games especially the third game since one of my opponents had a manticore out which was basically i think it was the manticore yeah which was basically knocking out all of my one cost characters so anytime i try to put an npc out there or any of my sturges they pretty much just went right into my ko pile which was really upsetting. But I was able to get a couple other dice out there and have a 
tiny bit of a wall going with luckily rolling the lesser or not the the lesser you with luckily rolling the invisible stalker i was able to defeat both of my last two opponents so i was able to win all three games that i played one of the nice things that we did for this tournament was as we were opening up our cards the one thing that we do down at the store i play at if somebody pulls a super rare that basically goes into the prize pool we normally don't allow people to play with the card if they pull that. We normally give them another pack out of the box, and then that super rare basically becomes usually the main prize for the night. So I was able to actually come home with a second super rare Tarask, um, which I already had, so hopefully I can trade that for a red dragon sometime soon. But I had a really good time. I think the team I had actually was was fairly well balanced. I was able to get the Sturge out, use the Were Rats to pull in some other dice and get things out there and damaging my opponents quickly, and the Invisible Stalker and the Drow Assassins I usually were pulling later. I don't believe I had ever actually pulled in the Troll, the Magic Sword, or the Manticore during either of my three games, and I think I had used, I think Resurrection maybe in my second game, I had gotten in one of the Resurrection die, which I don't even think I actually was able to utilize at all. But it seemed that the Sturge were kind of the bane of everyone's existence until I ran into the mana core that was kind of shutting that that whole little steam engine down and I had a really good time playing D&D. I so far several of the people that play down in my group really like D&D. There are others who still prefer the superhero side, so I have a feeling once the organized play is finished for D&D, which I believe starts up this week, and I am not sure if I'm actually going to make it this week, so hopefully I can trade for those cards. And we'll see what happens when DC comes out, if, if I'm going to stick with Dice Masters much more, or if I'm going to maybe possibly move into something else. I do kind of want the organized play cards for D&D, so I may have to just stick it out for a few more weeks to finally get a, to get a full set of those. All right, the next game that I played for the week, I finally got some time in with Bloodborne. Wow. On the PS4, I will say the graphics are amazing. This game is very rough and unforgiving. I can't wait to actually get into it a lot more. I think I'm still in the first part of the city area. I've done quite a bit of grinding. I was able to basically trade in my armor to the first merchant and actually upgrade all of my armor. And watching a few of the Let's Plays and reading a few things, and I've been trying to read as little as I can about the game and not watch too many of the Let's Plays, but I did overhear people talking about going up to a lot of the different doors and interacting with some of the people I believe that are inside. That was one thing I really hadn't even kind of thought of was going up to a lot of the doors. So I think as I'm running back through this whole first area, I need to kind of do that instead of just concentrating on killing all the mobs. I, I just want to find that first boss already, get that first boss under my belt, and then try to move on through the, throughout the game. I have a feeling this game is going to take me a little while to finish. I will try probably try to do some streaming through the PS4 on this one once I get a little bit more comfortable with the game, but uh, so far I am really liking it. I think the graphics are quite amazing. This game is possibly a little more approachable than maybe some of the Dark Souls and Demon Souls games were. I have, I have a feeling I'm going to have a really good time with this game. The other game that I kind of fell down into maybe a little rabbit hole, I guess I should say, that I actually played quite a bit in the past few days, and I'm not too sure how or why I got started on this. I was sitting around Saturday afternoon, evening, looking for something to play. I really didn't want to try wrapping my head around Elite, because I had just a, a just a lot a lot going on, and I really didn't want to sit down and watch videos and learning about all the different combat, so I kind of just loaded up Heroes of the Storm, started going through some of the practice arenas, and I think I've actually leveled up quite a few characters, maybe to like four or so, and I think my overall level is 
possibly seven or eight. I think I'm, I can't really remember, but I'd really like to finally get uh, my group of friends or maybe check the giant bomb forums and see if there's some people that are actually playing in playing in this game and possibly get into some real games and not uh, continue on the practice games. I do feel like a lot of the practice games that I have played so far have really helped me. I'm feeling a lot more comfortable with, with the controls. Also learning all the different maps since there are various maps that you can, that you'll run into while playing this game. Each map seems to have kind of a different mechanic going to it in that there are different areas of the map where you might go and interact with creatures or do different things to possibly get a bonus for your team. I really like that. The maps that they have out there are different. They, Like I said, they have different mechanics to them. It's something that you kind of do need to learn. So I wanted to go through each of those maps multiple times, get a little bit more comfortable with them, learning the lay of the land and the and the run of everything. I think so far from what I can tell that um, Heroes of the Storm has a little less of a learning curve than Dota 2. Probably a lot less, I guess I could say. I can't really speak about League of Legends since I really didn't play that game that much. I only think I played a beta once or twice, possibly. While you don't have access to 100 or so different characters like Dota 2, uh, I do feel that from the characters that I have played in Heroes of the Storm, that they are different enough. They have a really unique feel to them. Their skills are different, and I think the skills that become available to you as you're leveling up your character throughout the game do give you a nice little difference between the characters and make each game fresh and kind of different when you're trying different builds. I haven't really checked out any of the forums yet to see what some of the better builds are, and I've kind of just been playing around, learning some of the different skills, seeing what they do, and it's I'm really surprised at how much I'm kind of enjoying the game so far. The one big turnoff that I can kind of see to the game is the cost of the characters. Some of the characters cost upwards of around 10 to possibly 15 bucks for a character. Even if you're buying it in a package, it seems like those are, you know, a little pricey as well. Considering you're getting possibly 100 plus free characters in Dota 2, some of the pricing that I'm kind of seeing in the microtransactions in the store for Heroes of the Storm, kind of a little on the high side as far as I'm concerned. I'm hoping that's not going to be a deterrent later on once the game actually comes out of beta and is actually released. But so far, I am actually having a pretty good time with Heroes of the Storm. I really like what I'm seeing out of the game, and um, I'm definitely going to keep playing it and giving it, giving it, learning some more. And I really want to get out of the practice place that I've been doing and getting into some real games and and seeing how I I survive in those. One of the other games I've been playing this week is Ali Ali Two. I've talked about this little skateboard game uh, for the past couple of weeks. This seems to kind of be, have become my portable game of the week, the way I'm usually playing a game on my phone. I mean, while I have played um, a little bit of Galaxy Trucker on my phone a few times, a couple of days, Ali Ali 2 seems to be the game I've been kind of grabbing my Vita for and just sitting down and knocking out a couple of laps or, you know, rounds, different tracks on, and just doing some run-throughs, maybe doing the daily that's out there uh, for that game. And I'm I'm still having a good time with it. I can tell that I've actually improved some from when I first started playing, but I can also tell that based on the scores that you need to achieve for some of the levels that I'm in, I seem to have quite a bit to learn because sometimes if you just make one little mistake on a level, you're pretty much hitting that triangle button and having to go back through the level because you really need to be able to link together as many different tricks and maneuvers as you can throughout each of the levels. So one of the, one of the first games I played on my Thursday board game night that we're going to jump over to now is a little game called Jaipur. This is a two-player card game, and your goal is to be the first to obtain two seals of excellence that one player gets at the end of each round, which basically a round ends when three types of the goods that are on the table token the good tokens that are on the table are actually depleted. So the way this game works is each player starts the game with a hand of five cards, and there are five cards on the table between the two players. Next to the next to all the cards, you have columns of chips, and each of these columns depicts basically a different type of material that you can sell on your turn. On your turn, you can either take cards from the center of the game board, 
If you take one, you can flip one over from the pile of cards that's there. But if you take more than one, you have to replace however many cards you took from cards with your hand. And there's also a camel card that I will get into in a little bit that you can use in here as well. And then you can also sell cards on your turn. The three highest types of materials, which I think are silver, gold, and a type of ruby or a type of gem is what they are. Those types of materials, they have to be sold in a minimum of a pair. So you have to sell at least two of those cards or more. Whereas the other three materials, um, which is like leather, cloth, and something else, I can't remember what the third one was. Those can, I believe, can be sold one at a time. Now, I've never actually seen anybody that I've played really sell one card at a time because normally you're trying to sell groups of possibly three or more because if you sell a matching group of three, four, or five pieces, there are also tokens like bonus tokens that you can get for selling that many group groups of cards that you also get with the tokens from the group of materials you sold. So let's jump over to the camel card that I missed a few that I mentioned a few seconds ago. So this camel card is kind of like a wild card, I guess you could say. And these cards you can obtain the most of whoever can obtain the most by the end of the round, you can basically get um, an extra five bonus points for. And the nice things with the camels, camels is they sit on kind of like a herd, what they call a herd in front of you, and they don't count against the seven cards maximum that you have for your hand size. Also, like I mentioned a little bit ago, when you were trading in materials into the market, you can actually take more than one of those cards. One of the cards that you're trading back in and placing down in the middle of the table can actually be from your herd. It can be a camel card. So you really have to kind of balance taking taking the materials and the camels because you kind of sometimes want to end up with the most camels to get that five points. But sometimes you may not necessarily want to take all the camels from the middle of the table because then you're going to open up that open up the cards for being flipped over for your opponent and he may be able to get a couple of very nice powerful cards that he may need to set off a set so when you're taking the camels out of the center of the table you need to take them all and then they basically go right into your herd it's a good little strategy game you play like i said you play basically a maximum of three rounds whoever wins two out of the three is basically wins the game it's a really light quick fun little strategy game also has a little bit of luck going to it as it does have the cards with it and it's something that i really enjoy if you're looking for a nice little two-player game check out jaipur and i think you'll probably really like it so then after that we jumped over to i guess you're going to say two ends of the spectrum here we have a little two two player card game that's really light and kind of fun and then we went over to probably one of the heaviest games i've played in a little while and that was zangguo but this one was really interesting so in this game you're playing an emperor's emissary and what you're trying to do is you're helping to try to build the great wall besides taking over pretty much other various provinces on the board with governors and temples and the main mechanic of this game is that you start each of the five rounds of the game with a hand of six cards these cards can be used to kind of take various actions on the board or they can be placed in front of you, down in front of your personal board that you have to give you various benefits that are on the cards. And that those can be, those benefits can be obtained when you're playing a card to do one of the other actions that's actually on the main board. So you kind of really have to think ahead and balance which cards you want to utilize for benefits in front of your personal board and which cards you actually want to utilize for actions on the main board to be able to get victory points, which is basically the main point of the game. Whoever has the most victory points at the end of the game wins. The nice trick to these cards though is each card is numbered and you get three different groups of cards that are basically numbered from like I think 1 to 120. You have to play the appropriate number being higher or lower to get the benefits from your board in front of you on the action on the main board that you want to take. So one of the actions, let's say, is to take a cube. You can then place it on your, you can place the cube on your personal board and then that can be used to to do some different things. Like I think you need like three different colored cubes to buy a general, I believe it was, or a governor, I mean. If you actually 
The action can give you a benefit if you play a lower numbered card than what's actually on the pile right now. So to be able to get that cube, let's say there was a, a card with a number 50 on there. If I went 49 or lower, I could actually get the benefit for doing a cube action since I actually played lower and that's how that card was signified on the table. So we made the game a lot harder than what it pretty much had to be. We did the first four of the five rounds incorrectly. So we kind of said we were playing our own expert version of the rules and that no matter what card you played, you had to play a card to get the benefit and you couldn't just play a card of any number to actually do an action, which is completely wrong. I sat there for the first probably two, three rounds looking at everybody thinking, does anybody else th think this mechanic is broken? Because I don't really think that they meant to have this much of a screw your neighbor component into this game. And everybody was like, ah, you know, just we're all doing it. So just keep playing, you know, and everything. And I go, I go, I, I just that whole screw your neighbor component and how we were playing just didn't see, seem to fit into the whole theme of the game and everything. I, I sat there and I was like, I, I really think this is kind of broken here. And finally, I think halfway through the fourth round, one of the guys was reading through the rules and he kind of looked up and said, uh, I just found something interesting in the rules. And the guy who was actually teaching, the, t taught us the game, who was actually playing with us, he sat there and knew exactly what he was going to say in that you don't have to play a card to get a benefit. You can play a card no matter what the number is. It's just if you don't play a card that is that's supposed to be higher or lower, you don't get the benefit then. And so I sat there and I go, well, that really changes pretty much the whole outcome of this game because I was really disliking the game up to that point. But the last round where we actually played it correctly, I, I didn't think it was as bad. So I, I really need to play this game a second time because playing most of the game incorrectly, I, I really don't feel like I got a good feeling for this game or, or want to really say anything negative about it since, like I said, we did most of it wrong. But I will say this, halfway through the game, one of the guys that was playing with us walked over and basically bought the game immediately and the other guy that was playing really said he really liked the game too so I thought it was okay I was really the whole mechanic that we played incorrectly kind of was just really throwing me and it just really was kind of making me giving me a little bit of a negative feeling to the game but now that I know how it's supposed to be played I definitely want to sit down with this game again and give it another shot but this game is definitely a heavy game I believe this game probably took us from the time we sat down to start learning it till the time we finished it was probably a good three and a half hours I would say and it probably took about a good 20 to 30 minutes minutes of explanation and it it's just the rounds are just kind of long as you're going through trying to decide everything that you want to do. So you definitely want to make sure you have some time set aside for this game as it is as it's definitely not just a quick and easy game. And then the last game that I was able to play for the week was a great little game that if I if I actually did a game of the week on my podcast, which I don't really know if I want to start doing, I would probably have to say that this game would be my game of the week. And that's Duel of the Ages 2. It's we I only played this two players. It seems like it could be played two to eight with a base set. If you have the master set, I think you could maybe play up to 16, I think I read, which just seems completely insane. And I think there'd be way too much downtime in between your turn having to go around a table of, of that magnitude and size. But that's crazy that a game like this can handle that many people. But um, basically on your turn, you're going through a list of um, kind of like an ordered list of actions that you can do and perform various actions through the round. You can do things like moving, adventuring, melee. You can do op fire, which is basically firing at your opponents as they're moving on their turn if they're going through your line of sight. Uh, you win the game basically by having the most points, but this is definitely not a high scoring game. I will say that our game after 10 rounds ended up as a tie 
with both of us having two points only. The guy that actually taught me the game, he was just really surprised that he goes, I've never really seen a game this low scoring before. He goes, we normally do a lot more adventuring, but it, it seems like we were doing both adventuring and quite a bit of combat throughout the whole game. So I could have possibly won right on the last turn. Yeah, he had actually knocked out one of my one of my characters. The neat thing about this game is you can either kill one of the characters or you can capture them instead of actually killing them. He actually got more points by capturing them, and I actually had a character in his base at the time that if I would have flipped over a card, possibly could have freed that character, but I did not get a good draw on my card, was not able to free him. That is the one kind of cool thing about this game. There's no dice, so the cards are pretty much the main component of the game, and the cards are constructed in a way that they kind of simulate the randomness of dice rolling. So in your deck of cards, you have a lot of variation of cards that will give you different numbers throughout the game. There's one card that is kind of like an always fail. There's one card that's like an always succeed, and then a whole mixture bell curve of cards in between those two ex those two extremes. I really like the mechanic for this game, and I thought it worked really well. Each time you need to basically perform an action, like adventuring or fighting, you kind of would figure out who between the attacker and defender has a higher number, kind of based on what was being attempted. And then you'd look at that, you'd flip over a card and see what the outcome was. Basically, if the attacker was higher, if the defender was higher. And it's set up in a really intuitive way that I, I don't know if I've ever really seen done in a game like this before. The other main part of this game, besides the cards and that whole card mechanic, is that you're basically playing through different kind of parts of time, different ages of time. And your characters are coming from these various different times time sets, as well as kind of like the board tiles that you're going to build the game board with. So there's characters from ancient time, colonial time, modern, and future times. And it's really cool because my team consisted of an alien group of WeeWacks, a con man that looked like he was from the Wild West, a paladin, a wizard, a computer hacker, and then Elliot Ness. And each of the different groups has kind of like a different color. So I think the aliens are kind of like a purple color. The con man was like a brown color. The paladin and wizard were from the ancient time. I think they were green. The computer hacker and Elliot Ness, I think were modern and they were blue. So there's different adventure areas on the board that you can that you can basically search and do adventures on your turn with. What you try to do is normally match up the character with the color that they have with the adventure type on the board as you'll get different bonuses if you're going down that route. So once I got home, I kind of told my wife, I go, that this game's basically jumped to the top of my must-have list. It's got to be a game that has to be added to my collection. If you have never had a chance to play this game, I would definitely try to find a copy maybe somewhere at your local game store or find a friend that maybe has it. Give it a shot. I can guarantee that you'll like this game. I was really surprised at how, how much fun it was. The different ages of time being from like old and colonial times of ancient times to uh, to the future times with the aliens and stuff is just crazy. A lot of the different adventures that you're going to experience when you go to the different locations on the board have some really nice flavored text to there and really adds a lot to the game. And there's just so many other things you can do within the game. There's different stacks of cards that have different items to them that you can then add to your characters. And normally each, car, each character has a card limit of four of cards that they can actually carry. One of the first things I had gotten for one of my characters was a mule that actually let him have unlimited, an unlimited amount of cards. I think at one time I actually had a gun that my wizard was wielding as the gun was able to do more damage and have a little bit longer of a range than his own personal attack did. So there's a lot of crazy things you can do if you like, I hate to say sillier games, but if you like a little bit of fun in your game and it's where it's not really just com completely serious and cut and dry, pretty much like Zingua was, as I would say that game was a little bit drier. I really like the theme of this game. Like I said, it's pretty much jumped to the top of my must, my, my must have list. So this game will hopefully be in my collection soon. All right, that was it for a lot of the games I played for the week. A couple of the games I want to play now, 
One of the games I've been hearing a couple of people talk about in both um, some of the different Facebook groups I'm in and actually down at the game store, a game called The Pillars of Earth. I believe it's a worker placement type of game, and everybody says it's supposed to be one of the better ones out there. I was talking to one of the guys that shows up at our normal Thursday gaming group. I believe he has it, so I'm trying to convince him to maybe bring it down in the next couple of weeks and hopefully get a game at that end. Also last week, one of the games I picked up at, the, up at my friendly local game store was Car Wars Classic. I've always really enjoyed Car Wars. I had the pocket edition from years ago when I was a teenager, and I actually picked up the classic edition. I really like the look of the game. It's basically just kind of like, I would say, a reprint of the game that was out... Um, I think it's kind of like a reprint of the fourth edition. I'm really excited to actually see what they're coming out with for their sixth edition, especially since I backed the Ogre Kickstarter and I'm actually in the secret forums for the sixth edi edition Kickstarter or for the sixth edition Car Wars game to come out. And I'm really excited to see what they come out with that. But I wanted to start playing it again, especially since they're coming out with, um, they just put something new on Kickstarter this past week where they're going to be releasing a bunch of maps that have never been released before. So I'll probably be backing that Kickstarter since I haven't backed a Kickstarter soon and I wouldn't mind having some of those maps and hopefully Hopefully they're going to be compatible with 6th edition as well. So that's about it. Those are the games I played for the week, and that is what I want to play now. So as always, send me some email. Let me know what you're playing now. You can send me an email at what I'm playing now at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at what I'm playing now. Also do a search on Facebook for what I'm playing now on our Google Plus page. It's plus.google.com slash the plus sign, what I'm playing now podcast. And then of course our Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv slash what I'm playing now. As always, go out, play some games, have some fun and uh, as always, let me know what you're playing now. Have a good week, everybody. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.